gorgeous Georgian goes, are you ready? Junkie Nation, are you ready? Well, let's get it on. From the fight capital of the world, Las Vegas, Nevada, this is MMA Junkie Radio. We roll it! What's going on, Junkie Nation? Gorgeous. Jordan Goes are back here to deliver a Monday show for you via a Sunday night delivery. So it's late Sunday night. We just couldn't wait to get to it because we had a lot of shows. As you'll call on Thursday, we recapped the PFL show, which led off their, you know, the, the regular season for 2021, sorry, 2022. And uh, that was the beginning of you know, lots of big shows this week, including Bellator 278, headlined by Juliana Velasquez versus uh, Liz Carmouche. Bellator 279 took place on Saturday. That was headlined by Chris Cyborg and Arlene Blanco. We had a lot of Bellator Grand Prix participation for the Bantamweight division. Man, UFC fight night. Uh... UFC on ESPN 39, I believe is what it's called. That took place as well. Headlined by Jessica Andrade and uh, Amanda Lemos. So we didn't talk about it too much, goes, but all of the ladies in the Bellator and, and UFC, you know, as, as far as that's re- so as, as far as that's concerned, they were all in uh, some headline bouts. So we're going to talk about those. We might have uh, an interview for you guys as well. So we got to just get to it here. MMA Junkie Radio on a Sunday night for your Monday delivery. All right, goes. So it just occurred to me. Bellator and the UFC across the board, all females in the main events. Interesting, huh? Huh. Yeah, that is, uh, wow. That's pretty big news. Yeah, I, I don't know why I didn't think of that during the week. It just didn't occur to me. A lot of things like that will jump out. But yeah, the headline bouts of Bellator 278 and 279 and the UFC Fight Night card all had females at the top of the bill. So good for the ladies getting a type of respect and recognition. And so let's get one by one. We'll start with Friday show, which was Bellator 278. In fact, let's go right to the top. You know, a lot of times we'll work our way up through the card, but this one had so much controversy in the title fight that involved Juliana Velasquez defending her Bellator flyweight title against Liz Carmouche. Velasquez undefeated Carmouche, a longtime member of women's MMA. I mean, she's participated going back to Strike Force. The UFC and now pit stopping at Bellator. So the fight was, in my opinion, it was a fight that Velasquez was sort of dominating, we'll say. So she hadn't really like beat her up, but she had racked up uh scores. I thought it was 3-0 or 30-27 Velasquez going into round three. However, I knew round one was close. In fact, I looked at the judges' scores. And they had, let me make sure uh, I'm not talking out of my ass. Yeah, two judges had it for Velasquez and one had it for Carmouche. So it was that close going into round four. And then in round four, that's when the fight ended. The the uh, fight wound up on the ground with Liz Carmouche getting a top position where she kind of pinned Velasquez's arm her right arm, and she started delivering some ground and pound, mostly elbows and some fists, and then in comes referee Mike Beltran to stop it. Now it goes, just about five minutes before the show started, I go, let me take one more look. And I did. And I'll tell you what, man, I still wish Beltran could have let it go a little bit farther. But there's the fifth or sixth elbow that Carmouche puts on her where Velasquez has this look of like, you know, like I went out like that one jacked me up pretty good. Not not like eyes rolling back, but just like, you know, like, yeah, how can I describe it? Um, I'm trying to think of the best way I could describe it, but but almost like in a cartoon, if, if 
you know how in a cartoon so much mayhem can happen and then all of a sudden if there's just one blow they'll make the, the cartoon figure kind of like you know like little birdies around them or they're Mike a little Tyson's bit wobbled yeah and i i looked at it i did it like three or four times and so there's an elbow that goes that does that to her to velasquez's eyes that's one two there's another one that lands where it looks like it could have crushed her nose, but it didn't. So there was no blood. There was no cut. And there wasn't like a viciousness per se. But I'm wondering if Beltran saw that and just thought, oh, boy, he, she just got thumped. Ooh, the next one, the next elbow comes in, kind of like on the bridge of the nose. And it looks like it could have cracked it good. And maybe he just reacted, man. So what I'm trying to say is... um. I'm all for the rematch. I, I, I agree that perhaps it was a little bit early. I, I like them to have a longer life, a longer leash or lifeline, whatever you want to call it. But at least now I maybe partially understand what Beltran may have seen that caused him to react because he's experienced. He's one of the best. He's been getting trashed all weekend. Yeah, I don't really understand this whole trashing thing because I thought it was right there. Um, but let's be honest, if there's not a title on the line, I don't know that there's really that much uproar here as much as we've been seeing. This may be an unpopular opinion, but I do kind of feel like I know people are going to say safety, safety, but in a title fight, there is so much on the line. It's such a long road to get there that I do really think the leash is just a little bit longer. Out of and, and, uh, it could have gone a little bit longer. I don't, and like Frank Mir said, you rarely see a fighter argue the other way. Um, but I thought it was right there. And I think you look at Beltran's career, and and um, for the most part, he gets it right. He's a pretty good, pretty damn good ref and decent Mayan. So I mean, like, I really <laughs> think it was. It was. <laughs> I think uh, it's not the worst thing in the world. They'll probably redo it again. But uh, I do feel like maybe sometimes in title fights, just one little, one more punch, one more elbow, one just the leash a little bit longer. Yeah. It kind of, you know, what it ruins is Velasquez being undefeated. And by the way, she's had a couple close calls. I didn't see her as someone like that would, you know, get to 29 and 0 or 30 and 0 on top Khabib. She's had a couple close calls. So, but she's no longer undefeated. And then obviously now, uh, you know, this has nothing to do with, pay-per-view points there's none of that it's just i get it she was upset but in watching it again i i I just saw a little bit more info and data which is all these judges and referees are looking for what are you telling me you ever see when a fighter gets rocked and then all of a sudden the referee gets in a staring contest not a staring contest because not the, the fighter's not staring back but they just they focus on the one guy or gal who's rocked and they stare at them. That's what Big John taught us a long time ago when we were replaying Roy McDonald versus Robbie Lawler. He goes, my focus was on Lawler or McDonald and just watching him. And then when I go back and see it after what he told us, I see all the refs kind of, they have the same mechanics. And let's not forget, her arm was was trapped and the elbows were coming in, you know, pretty nicely. There was no blood. There was no cuts. Um... But it doesn't mean that the next one couldn't have done it. Uh, to be fair, you know, but I mean, well, I, I get it. I get it. I get those that were saying, well, last was up three nothing, you know. I get yeah. it. Uh, maybe let's say she loses that round. It's three one. Although on one judge's card, scorecard, it could be three two. If Liz does that for a lot longer, you know, who knows if she damages her enough to get a 10. And we don't know what happens in round five for crying out loud, you know. Jarzina Rosenstruck versus Alistair Overeem, Misha Tay versus um, Holly Holm. I mean, there's a lot of cases where somebody's come from behind, so everybody stop it with that. Uh, Colby Covington versus Kamaru Usman. He won the first two, then he won the last, then he lost the next two, then he got stopped in round five. We just don't know. Um, but, hey, but yeah, yeah, there might be fans that are. Man, maybe just too young to even remember this, George. Like we've been through so many periods of history uh, doing the show. But do you remember when we first got on like CBS, like Elite XC, and then the first couple shows on Fox? And you would always say like, 
ooh, they got a shorter leash here because on national TV, you can't have some dude's head getting, you know, popped open with a big, big cut or bouncing off the mat. What are, what yeah, are all these? The blood in between rounds, remember? Yeah, they would wipe the blood in between rounds. I think on one of them, didn't they? Uh, they somehow blocked it out, or I can't remember. But anyway, we're kind of past that. Like we people get it. This is a, a, a really nasty sport. Sometimes bad things are gonna happen. Uh, so I really do feel like in a title fight, you just gotta let them go a little bit more. But I don't think this is that outrageous of a stoppage. I haven't had a chance to watch it other than the replays, but I haven't gone back and watched it again. But I honestly didn't think it was the worst thing ever. Just if you're asking me, does referee Goes Garcia stop it? Probably not, but I, but I bet you one more elbow, and I would. Watch it when you watch it again. I'm going to send you a link. It's a quick one. Watch about the because the first when she first gets going, she uh, Velasquez still. You know, I don't know what happens. She moves around. So watch until she gets going. About once she gets going, it's like the fifth one kind of hits her, and Velasquez's eyes kind of they just kind of change a little bit, kind of like you know, like you got me there. And then the next one is on the bridge of her nose. Now, I don't know if Beltran may have heard a crack that the rest of us didn't. I didn't see, uh, you know, I didn't see a, an Arlovsky nose on Juliana Velasquez. I'm not saying all that. I'm just trying to think of why he may have stopped it. You know what I mean? Because he's a ref that deserves to be there. And we had him on the show. I know how this guy works. He usually doesn't make mistakes. You know, and, and if he does, then a hundred fights go by before he makes another one. And man, I watch a lot of basketball, bro. I last I watch a lot of NFL. It's hard to go through a whole game or a few weeks without blowing a call, you know. And this one's a lot a lot tougher because so many things are happening at once and it's just you. And a lot of times you may not have instant replay. But anyway, yeah, I agree with you. He should have went let it go a little bit longer. Goes is alluding to a time when Frank Mir told us about 10 years ago, the former UFC heavyweight champion. Hey, you know, he, he said, I get to hear a fighter go, uh, I've yet to hear a fighter pull a, a ref aside and go, Hey, man, uh, how come he didn't stop it sooner? He, as soon as he said it, I was like, Wow, those are wise words. Like, I've never heard that either. And then there's going to be a lot of fans that go, But it's up to us to look out for these fighters. No, it's up to the refs to look out for the fighters. It's not up to MMA media. It's not up to MMA fans. And I know we say it when a fighter's been knocked out four times in a row and they still want to compete and we want them to hold their kids. You know what, man? I want to talk about this, girls. And I won't spend too much time, but, dude, we're all grown-ups here, right? Seriously, like, we can all say that, but do we really feel that? Like, do you really, really follow a lot of these fighters enough to care that much for them? And do you think they really care back for you or or the or the roles would be reversed i think it's just something we honestly say to make us feel better but in reality like these fighters ain't hearing it man they know it's dangerous they signed up for it it sucks that some of them will wind up with, you know some sort of dementia or cte or whatever but guess what normal people are gonna wind up with dementia you know a lot of these things a lot a lot of stuff's gonna happen to all of us so I think sometimes we just need to hang back on that one and just realize we all signed up for this along the way. Now, there are going to be some egregious ones, some egregious acts of a ref where you're everyone in the stadiums yelling, stop it for crying out loud. What the fuck? You know, like, I get that. That is going to happen. But it's just like NASCAR, there's going to be a car that flips over a bunch of times. Football, there's going to be, you know, someone that may lose the feeling, you know, and then they're upper extremities from a hard hit. I mean, we know all this, man, going in. So I'm kind of tired of hearing that that whole thing because I think that I, I, I from what I've seen goes, I just think it's people, it makes them feel better to say that. Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, but fighters are just so accessible. Sometimes they'll give you a like. Sometimes they'll even respond to you that I think fans grow a little bit attached. They ain't going to be like that for very long. And like George said, most of them don't care about you. But, yeah, that, that's that's out of our hands, dude. Right. And you know what? And most of the time, those extra fights that we all keep concerning ourselves with, they aren't going to give them dementia, and they aren't going to give them CTE or whatever. Those cases are not as common as people think. And like I say, a lot of that stuff can happen 
from outside of fighting as well. It's just unfortunate. It's just part of life, folks, honestly. Sorry if that sounds too callous, but that's kind of what I figured out over the years, man. And, I mean, a fighter can appreciate A fighter should never get angry at you for saying that. That's for sure. Um, but I don't think I don't think it stays with them too long, you know. I uh, I don't know. I, whatever. So, where are we at? Scott Coker's warm to a rematch. Liz Carmouche wasn't warm to a rematch. Julia Velasquez, Juliana Velasquez definitely want, wants a rematch. I think she deserves a rematch. It was controversial enough, but you got to give respect to Liz Carmouche. She did her job. That's her first major title goes, and I think that completes a, a nice career for her. I, I know, oh. by no means am I saying, hey, go retire. I'm just saying I think it's nice when a fighter for so long that fought so hard can finally wear gold. You know what I mean? She's going to, when you go back to, like, the Mount Rushmore women's MMA, I mean, a lot of people have Ronda Rousey on there. and People forget, like, Liz had Ronda in trouble at one point in that fight. And that was oh. kind of, she was kind of invincible at that time. So Liz, had a, Liz has a lot, lot, lot of things to be proud of, and she's had a good career, so... To be able to put a belt on, I think, yeah, that's a big deal for her and, and for women's MMA. But they're, they're definitely running this one back. She has some bite marks to show for that. Ronda yeah. Ronda fight. I don't know if they're still there, but. Do you remember another yeah. fight that had that? It's old bite school. Mark? Yeah. Like the Dawn of days or something like that? A little bit past that. I don't know. Wes Sims and Mike Kyle, remember? Mm, I do. All right. Earlier that night, we had a couple participants that fought as, I guess in a way, they were alternate. So basically, they were wild cards to get into the Bellator Featherweight Grand Prix. Enrique Barzola fought Nikita Mikhailov and Danny Sabatello. He well, I should say defeated, and Danny Sabatel defeated Jornel Ludo. So now they find themselves in this Bellator uh, Grand Prix because the Grand Prix took a couple of hits, starting with Sergio Pettis and James Gallagher, and uh, so they went down from eight to to six, and then they had to reshuffle a couple of the fights. So, if you'll recall, Raytheon Stotts had to fight. Um, he was going to fight Sergio Pettis and their teammates, so they weren't really too crazy about that. And once set, once Pettis was moved, Archuleta then got moved to fight um, Raytheon Stotts, and that was for an interim title. That I didn't know goes. That one kind of surprised me. Did you know that? Yeah, yeah, it was something that I think Scott Coker brought up. Why did you do that? Why the I don't know. I really don't know. But because uh, it's not like, uh, I mean, that's the whole point of everything is it's going to get squashed at the end anyway. But I mean, he, he we still he still said they were all going to be five round fights, so they didn't really need to do that. And I'm just wondering, maybe they were just the two highest ranked, but Pettis took it from Horiaguchi. Do I have that right? Horiaguchi uh, yeah. had never really lost it. Maybe that's why Horiaguchi got the shot against Pettis. That's right. And Scott stepped aside and goes, hey, Horiaguchi never really lost it. So him versus Pettis is cool. Yeah, some of that's starting to come back to me. But all of a sudden, they placed that on him. I thought, hmm, okay. But I was just wondering why Mix and Horiaguchi didn't have it, for example, go for it. And, and why they needed to do it. Because in reality, the winner of the Grand Prix, whether it's interim or not, they just fight Pettis. Pettis does have a major knee surgery. Uh, so it could be that they're covering themselves in case Pettis isn't ready to come back. Then maybe just the interim and the Grand Prix becomes the undisputed. Who knows? So Archuleta lost. Wait, I'm jumping ahead here, but um, the Sabatello fight where he defeated Jornel Lugo. Now Dan Sabatello is going to fight uh, Leandro Higo. And... and the other fight that had Enrique Barzola versus Nikita Mikhailov. I'm getting confused here. I got too many windows that are open. Sorry. Uh, 
give me one second here. Let me give you some other results, and then I'm going to pull up a page here that straightens it all out. Grant Neal also defeated Christian Edwards. Manny Morrow defeated Nate Andrews. Weaver Almeida defeated Fabricio Franco. Dante Shiro defeated Scotty Howe. Blake Perry defeated Makoa Cooper. So there you have it. There's the, the fight card from Friday. And now I'm going to pull up this bell toward Grand Prix on another page. Because now so I'm having some doubts. Let me talk about this fight. Uh, he fight to you, though. That was right. Okay. That's the kid that was cussing a lot, right? The Italian kid? Yeah, he drops a lot of F-bombs. I kind of liked him, to tell you the truth. I think you, you can tell when someone just overdoes it with the F-bombs and goes a little bit too far. Um, And I kind of felt like there was just a couple. Like I get his shtick. He's funny. He's a beast. Total respect, right? But I could just tell when there was a couple, too many of those where you're like, Settle down already, you know. Like you, we, we we got the point. Like you, you're funny and all that, but but settle down because he kept saying like, "Oh, I, I know, I gotta watch it, but fucking kneeling." Oh, oh, there goes another one. What do you know? I'm silly, but fucking, you know. I was like, "Come on, already, hit the brakes." Um, but whatever, he won, and and and, and not, you know that's cool. Some fresh blood is all I'm trying to say, and that's cool. So here, Bellator Grand Prix. Sorry, folks. You have to be a little bit patient with me. I'm going to skip ahead here. So the belt for 279, Mix outgrappled Horiaguchi. He advances to a semifinal. And then uh, and then Stotts, he defeated Archuleta. So it basically happened across two nights. But um, I'm trying. Where is the last matchup? Here we go. Here we go. What is it that you're trying to do? I'm missing one of the brackets, goes. Oh, well, let's move on. We'll deal with it later. We'll deal with it later. All right. So at Bell Tour 279, we had Patchy Mix defeating uh, Kyoji Horuchi. What did you think of that matchup? Did you think there was a 10-8 in that round? Because he only won 48-47. And I I think I tweeted this. I don't understand. Like, uh, Or maybe it was just... Me, you, and someone else from MMA, I may have been sending it via text. Is this body triangle as dominant as it can be in terms of you can hold someone and dominate them? I've seen Sterling and now Mix both apply it for over four minutes in respect of fights that they didn't get 10 eights. So you're getting the duration, you're getting the dominance, but I think it precludes you from getting the, uh, the damage or at least the attempt to finish the fight. A lot of people seem to be pretty comfortable defending their neck or whatever, and they're caught in it. But unless you really belly them down, you're not getting the 10 eights. Yeah. So I think part of that was the fact that he got it locked in so early in that fight. So really, when you look at Horiguchi, you look at his stats, he didn't really do anything offensively for the, the entire – I think he landed one strike in that round or something like that. Um, he was just on defense the whole time. He was controlled. So I would I gave a 10-8. I think it was a perfect round for a 10. I think Patchy was looking at maybe two rounds or something like that. And that I disagreed with. But I do believe that he he got at least one. I think that one was kind of an obvious one for me. Yeah. He won 48-47. He was having a little bit of trouble with Horiguchi after round one. Horiguchi is really fast. And so he's able to attack. Hit and get out. Hit and get out. Patchy was stalking him, but it wasn't until Patchy just said, uh-uh, I'm grabbing you, and I'm taking you to the ground, and that's where Horiguchi started to, uh, you know, to wilt a little bit. Now, to, to Horiguchi's credit, there was a couple of those where he was in the body triangle that was able to turn around and land and, and wind up inside of Mix's guard, but by then, the they round, reverse. he wasn't able to do too much with it. You know what I mean? So I thought the score was adequate. I just thought more of the point of like, is this really as dominant of a, of a move in terms of like, you know, you're, you're really not going to score a 10 8, it seems like as of late. So all you can really do is kind of control someone, maybe tax them a little bit. Um, but, you know, what I want to ask some of these guys like Mix and Sterling, who appear from time to time over at Extreme Couture, actually mixes all, all the time. What are your legs feeling like when you're doing a lot of that? Like, are you uh is is that a repercussion of holding it on for too long and like 
did, did you know did it do anything to, to affect you i want to ask him if, if the payoff was there you know what i mean yeah well i mean if it did if you look at patchy mix i i don't know that it showed really what i think showed for patchy mix was his endurance and just his pace he kept basically the same pace for five rounds yeah he had to battle through some adversity with that cut that was really in a bad spot you know if that would have opened up more that could have been in a really bad spot especially when he got put on his back right that's where blood starts to roll back into your eye so i thought that was a great performance for him i think horiguchi is just a monster he's he's really really tough to contend with and when you think about it you know he had pettis on the run so patchy mix has got to feel good about his chances where he's at right now um but overall, I, I just thought it was a really, really good performance for him in a fight that I think a lot of people didn't really give him that much of a chance in. Yeah, exactly. And you, he, another thing he was honest about, and I love the honesty from fighters um, when they can admit, you know, to mistakes or whatever. He said that in the Archuleta fight, when they fought for a vacant title there, he tired. And he said, I can't let that happen again. So he worked really, really hard on his cardio. Um, so, you know, that, that that was pretty cool, you know, for us to uh, get a little bit of insight there. Somebody, had, you know, coming to grips with that. And someone that, that we kind of know and um, someone who, you know, in their most recent fight, they had a, a weight cutting issue as well. So that person was able to pick themselves up and take it more serious and apply it to the most important run of their lives. This Grand Prix that could result in an undisputed title as well. How are my sound issues right now? Are they okay? Yeah, you just got – it could be crisper. I think if you just logged out and came back in, tightened it okay. up a little bit, it would be fine. But All right, well, thing. if you need me to, just tell me to pull the plug. And I now found what I was looking for. What I was trying to make sure of goes was I know there was a weight issue with the Barzola fight, 140 pounds, and I got thrown off for just a second. So Enrique Barzola's win allows him to now fight uh, Magomedov, who lost to Stotts, if you'll recall. Magomedov's also the guy that traded wins and losses with Peter Yan. He's over at Bellator now. Him and Enrique Barzola fight in a Grand Prix quarterfinal. Kiyoji Horiaguchi and Mix already fought. So Mix has already advanced to the semifinals. The winner of Magomed, um, sorry, yeah, Magomed Magomedov and Enrique Barzola will fight Patchy Mix. In the other bracket, Raytheon Stotts defeated Juan Archuleta, so he moves to the semifinals. And now Sabatello fights Leandro Higo. The winner of Sabatello and Higo fights Raytheon Stotts. So that kind of straightens it out a little bit. I was totally getting tripped up on that. Continuing on here with Bellator 279, a few other fights that I'm just going to mention, and then we'll get to the main event. Lance Gibson Jr. defeated Nyona Dung. Justin Gonzalez defeated Kai Kamaka. Diana Silva defeated Janae Harding. Bobby King defeated Kioni Diggs. Gyoti Yamaguchi defeated Levon Chokeli. Yancy Maderos, what a war against Emmanuel Sanchez. Maderos comes out with his hand raised, uh, sent the crowd into a frenzy. Horiguchi and Mix, I told you guys about that one. Patchy Mix win, wins there. Justine Kish defeats Elima Lay McFarlane. Elima Lay McFarlane coming back after 18 months after losing her world title to Juliana Velasquez, the queen of the fight entrances. It was not her night. Credit to Justine Kish, who had lost three in a row in the UFC. Before coming over to Bellator, now she's back in the win column. Raytheon Stotts defeats uh, Juan Archuleta. And then in the main event, Chris Cyborg defeated Arlene Blanco. They went all five rounds. Bloody, bloody war. Much respect to Arlene, Arlene Blanco. Proving that she deserved to get back in there with Chris Cyborg. But goes, I can't come up with enough praise for how good Chris Cyborg looked. When she wanted to get the fight to the ground, she did. She ground and pounded. She tried submissions, but she also stood with the former professional boxer. She threw hands with her. And then, of course, the kickboxing, that kick, that head kick, man. She was landing some of those. She was landing kicks to the leg. It was a complete package. And while all this was happening, and in a way, Blanco knocked Cyborg down a few times. I think one of them may have been like kind of a trip. Cyborg was smiling, having the time of her life. 
I was happy for her, man, because let me tell you something. I don't really know her and Nunez and Harrison that well or whatever. Even though we've covered them for a long time, I I don't know. Just You run into guy fighters more than you do the female fighters. But I really felt for Cyborg because Cyborg was like this mythical figure, almost like a Greek goddess that people talked about. And she seemed almost like uh, head and shoulders above everyone else. Even when Ronda was out there doing her thing, you always thought, well, if Ronda goes up, she can get smashed by Cyborg. Then when Nunes knocked her out, I was like, wow, it all got taken away like that. Snap of a finger, you know? And now with Harrison's success, I've always felt like she like she may now have been reduced to like number three as far as the badasses of the women. And uh, on this night, man, just seeing how good she looked. And then if I think back to Nunes and how good she didn't look against Pena, you know, Nothing will ever erase that head-to-head, but I think she can feel pretty good, man, when she knows she's got an Invicta belt, a UFC belt, a Bellator belt, and a Strike Force belt. Now she has like eight or nine title defenses. She really, really is something special. You know, this is a difficult fight to break down because I think Arlene looked amazing. Um, nobody really wants to stand in the pocket with Chris Cyborg like that and go back and forth and exchange shots like that. But at the same time, when you're watching it, you're watching the fight like you're watching Chris Cyborg against Arlene Blanco. But at the same time, when I watch it, I watch it. I also think, all right, has Cyborg improved? What would it look like if Amanda Nunes were on the other side of that, right? So when I'm watching it, I'm thinking, okay, um, maybe Blanco doesn't have the power or maybe she's just not getting in tight enough to really put Cyborg away, but she hit her with shots. So I look at it weird, George. It's it's hard to explain, but I really I see two people there. I see Blanco, but I also see Amanda Nunes. And I and I look at it as if Chris Cyborg fought Amanda Nunes that night, I think Amanda connects again and maybe puts her out. So I think it was a great performance for Cyborg, but uh I think she still needs to find a way to fight a little smarter. And maybe it could have been that she was comfortable, you know, and maybe if it was Amanda, she would have tightened things up. But, yeah, I couldn't help but but notice that, that uh, I think that fight would have gone a little differently. You know, Cyborg, uh, I thought maybe she was good. I, th- I thought maybe she was coming to an end, like, with her career. But... I'd like to see her fight a few more fights and just maybe put some records out there that might be difficult to reach. Um, you know, like, I think Amanda made it to six title offenses. Cyborg's so, got, like, oh, I think nine all put together. She's got all those belts. As long as Nunes is around, I don't know that she can ever be the GOAT. I mean, Nunes, if Nunes loses the Pena, that might hurt her in that regard. But... That was at 135 pounds. Harrison's still yet to lose. I don't know. These all these ladies, these three, these three that I mentioned, at least a pair of them need to fight and kind of sort it out. Um, aside from Nunez and Cyborg. But I, I don't know. I uh, I was just so so impressed. Even when Arlene Blanco pointed to the ground, kind of like Max Holloway, like let's mm-hmm. throw down, you know. Cyborg was willing to meet her. She did her there to just swing, you know, just bang and uh, like, like Derek Lewis says, swing and bang. But she did, she did still throw some hands, and she's she connected with Blanco's face pretty good, you know. Like she proved herself to me. That 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 I don't know. We'll see. I, I like I said, I just feel sorry for someone that kind of gets crapped on too much because they lose one particular fight. Hmm. Yeah, no, I hear you. I hear you. You know what it reminded me of was Max Holloway and how great he was, and then when he loses the Vol- Volkanovski, everybody was like, "So anyway, how you been?" <laughs> you know, like, yeah. like Dutch and uh, and Sensei Crease or Sensei Crease and the rest of the guys when they turn their back on Dutch. You know, so how you been, Volkanovski? And then Max goes out and has that great performance against Calvin Cater, where we all said, "Holy cow, he's gotten better." We all want to see part three. I cheer for those fights for some of these fighters. Yeah. 
it's hard, man, just especially since there's been so much talk about it as of late, you know, with Kayla Harrison. You know, Amanda lost a little bit of steam here with Juliana, but they're gonna they're gonna duke it out at the end of Tough, which man seems like it's gonna be forever from now. But that'll straighten some things out. Uh, but how about Chris Cyborg in boxing? What do you do there? Okay. So then she says, I want to box. And normally I'm like, here we fucking go. MMA fighters thinking that they are just so special that now they need to go and do, oh my God. It's one of the things that might grind my gears the most. For an MMA fighter to think, oh, I know, I can just restart in sport that I work at once a week, maybe twice, and just fight the champ because I have some name value or whatever. Um, when And more than likely, they wouldn't even be able to beat the number 10th ranked guy. And it pisses me off just as much if a boxer thought they could do that in MMA. You know, so this, is, this isn't just a territorial thing. This is just a, you know, you're stupid. Like Mike Michael Jordan, oh, my God, dude. Two years of his life. You know, LeBron's breaking all these records. And maybe Michael Jordan could have eight titles by now, or maybe he could have two more scoring titles. But he wanted to taste baseball because he thought he might never get that, you know. Well, what you accomplish? You played double A. Yeah, yeah, he did all right, actually. But so what, you know? I mean, we wanted to, use, we wanted to see you on the NBA court. Um, Deion Sanders, you know, he, he did play major league, and he did bat 300 one year. I get that. Maybe he was a little closer Bo Jackson, but I don't know. Um, it's just tough to do, and you can't do them both full time because of the the overlap in 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 um, seasons. seasons. But finally, when Chris Cyborg said it, I go, "Well, not the craziest thing I've ever heard." But the reason is because women's boxing isn't that deep. So right away, her facing a top contender or a champion. Sounds likely, you know what I mean? And she's towards the end of her career, and Scott Coker's warm to it. When I heard Tyson Fury, you know, he was in the ring with Ngannou, and I'm thinking, the guy just had a major surgery in March. He's going to be ready for nine months. Then he's got to unify versus either Miocic or Jones or Ty or someone. Then once that happens, you know, that's so much time in which they already could resolve the issues or whatever, and there may even be one more holdover match. Like, we're literally talking about something that just is never going to happen because Dana White is not going to do that type of business. He's only done one exception. That's for Conor McGregor. And he can't stand Bob Arum. I just don't see him doing anything with Bob Arum. But here we are. I bet you a lot of people are going to talk about it this week. But getting back to Cyborg, see, Cyborg, that's more likely. I think I think they could figure it out with Scott Coker. Showtime and everything. Let me be silly for a second. Okay. You do well. Do you remember when Butterbean fought Cabbage Correa? Yeah, I was there. Remember they could they could go to the ground, but only like for fifteen seconds, right, or something like that. Before they All right. If Chris Cyborg in an MMA cage with MMA gloves fought Clarissa Shields, but they can't go to the ground, what do you think happens? Four ounce gloves. Chris has a chance. Yeah. But the longer the fight goes, the longer she doesn't have a chance. She has, she has to just catch her, basically. So it's not like I think boxers can't be caught. If you recall, I think Hunter landed two nice punches. One was an uppercut. It's not like they can't land something. They can. It's just not very likely. You know what I mean? Well, and plus, you have more than one zone, too. That you're going to get thumped in the face. So can't Chris Cyborg catch someone and do it? Yeah. Uh, homeboy uh, Ray Mercer did it to to Tim Sylvia. He beat Tim Sylvia in an MMA match, a fair MMA match. You know, with four-ounce gloves, Tim Sylvia never really got a, a takedown or a, a leg kick, right? I don't think he did anything other than get tattooed. So could Chris Cyber go out there with a four-ounce glove, land something and hurt her? Possibly. But the likely outcome is the longer it goes, the more it favors Clarissa Shields. Yeah. Or Amanda Serrano, or I forget all the names that are over there on the boxing side. So Something could happen, but it's way, way more likely. I won't shut that one down. Like Ngannou versus Fury. I'm sorry, Eric Nixick, for saying that. Um, 
Anderson Silva versus Roy Jones Jr. back in the day. I, I'm sorry, Anderson, for saying that. McGregor versus Floyd. I never he never had a chance. Oh my god. Usman versus Canelo. Holy cow. Oh man, goes. I, I just I don't see that one. I don't see that one going his way. Not at all. Especially God, I gotta mention Floyd Mayweather and Canelo Alvarez are like two of the last guys you would want to fight. I'd want to fight a Manny Pacquiao. Somebody that that would that lets their guard down really? and just yeah no, no I'm saying like if you're gonna pick a big dog because at least Manny can get out of control sometimes you know what I mean Floyd is so technical and Canelo is so technical he's the, those are the last dudes you would ever want to box against if you're an MMA guy Canelo oh is- I see what you're saying I think Floyd though doesn't hit as hard as the other guys so I think with Floyd you'll last longer. Manny, I think, will fucking completely decapitate you at some point. He is wilder, but he he will decapitate you, and uh, that one's going to hurt. Canelo also, I've noticed, is starting to get a nasty side as well. I think I I, I wouldn't like how I would wind up after that. Uh, I would rather go against, like, a Sweet P. Whitaker or or, um, Floyd, and I'd probably look stupid when I miss. You know, I would miss even more wildly. But at least I, I think the closing punch, the, the finishing punches wouldn't like completely make me a meme, you know, a forever meme. Uh-huh. Do you want to see your box? No, I don't want to see it, but I would be okay with it, depending on the matchup. You know, I, I, I said this the other day, and I'll say it again. Usman, Connor, Cejudo, whoever. I don't know. One of those guys. Even Habib. I want to see one of those guys, especially Connor, apply Connor's foresight and make the big fight happen in MMA or even in Ghana, I should say. And I remember in I, I remember when fighters used to cash checks of about a million or two plus pay-per-views. I remember Connor. Was it even a champion yet? And he said, I want a 10-fight, $100 million contract. And I thought, you stupid motherfucker. Come on. Give me a break. You're lucky if you can get paid $1 million times 10, $10 million for 10 fights. And you're asking for the other one? But I'll be damned. He made it happen. He made it happen so that he was getting paid 10, 15, 20, whatever you want to believe, million per fight. And so now he could do it in less than 10 fights. And it's because he put it out in the universe. And that's what I would like to see. It's so many of these guys are running to boxing to get the payday in boxing. I wish one of them would figure it out how to do it in MMA and keep it all in MMA. Yeah. I mean, at that, he, people don't understand how special Conor McGregor is. I don't know that another one will come, come, come around that like that. When you look at Muhammad Ali... Who the hell has come around that's really been like him? There's people who have been close, but not really like him, right? There hasn't been very many people that have been like Mike Tyson. I think that's just going to be a Conor McGregor thing. I think fighters will come close to attempting to re- replicate what he's done, but it, he, it's just his thing that he captured this moment. And he did a great job with it, and he he – he squeezed as much as he could possibly squeeze out of it. I don't think other fighters can come in and do that. The other thing, too, is in a way he caught the UFC off guard, too, because the UFC was learning at the same time as he was. Now the UFC knows, and I think they'd protect themselves a little better uh, on a run like that from another fighter. Do you think Jake Paul really made $45 million off three fights? No. I don't. If he did, I'd be happy for him. You know, like if if he was able to pull it off somehow, who knows if it's true or not. But um, if he did, then I'd also go, hey, stop talking shit about this whole pay thing because you only gave Ben five hundred grand, you gave Tyron two million one fight. I don't know what you gave in the other fight. So if you're walking away with forty five million, obviously there's a disparity in pay there as well. Calm down with the UFC stuff, you know. But who knows if he's telling the truth or not. But that got thrown around the other day. Anyway. Um, 
Chris can do whatever she wants. She's towards the tail end of her career. Scott is a promoter who is flexible and has been known to do stuff. And he works for a um, – the promotion is is under the Showtime banner. And because Showtime does boxing as well, that's why it's so much more poss- possible. And that's why it didn't shut it down, Goes was basically the answer to your question. Yeah. All right. Um Raytheon Stotts and Patchy Mix. What did you think of the performances? I think you already talked about Mix. Tell me about Stotts and Archuleta. I thought it was a great fight. I I, I wouldn't say there was I know Archuleta got up and he was kind of remarking that maybe that one got stopped early, but I think he basically got knocked out and then came back too. And then he looked like, hey, I can still go, but he couldn't go. You know, he had a, a really cool remark on social media. And he was basically saying, hey, thank you for for allowing me to fight another day. I can't remember what the exact quote is. Maybe I'll see if I can pull it up. But I think he had a chance to go back and look and thought, all right, yeah, it was a good stoppage. Um, Stotts, he looked good. Um, but, you know, that's he was trying to throw a head kick. It was the knee that really hit him. Right. And, and put him away. Uh, so if I have to pick between the two, I think Patchy's performance probably came off as better. But I, I think Stotts doesn't get as much credit as he deserves. I think he's a way better fighter. And uh, this next fight, you have to remember, like, this dude had to kind of uproot from Rufus Sport, find a new camp. Get All that takes time to get used to. And um, he's out here in, in Vegas now, and we'll see what happens with this next fight. But uh, I, I expect him to be one of the guys at the end. I agree. He's only lost to Mrab Davishvili. And other than that, he's been pretty perfect. I think I think Bellator gained a star in Rayfon Stotts. He connected with the crowd. He was saying a few things that was resonating with the Hawaiians, and they were loving it. So good for him there. And I just thought he was oozing a lot of personality and charm. So going forward, keep an eye on Rayfon Stotts. He might become a star for Bellator. Um, all right, let's move over to the UFC. So the UFC also took place on Saturday. It was a fight night card, and it was headlined by Jessica Andrade versus Amanda Lemos. Jessica Andrade won via a standing arm triangle choke. Um, but prior to that, Amanda Lemos looked pretty good. She kind of connected on on a front kick. and um, But Andrade capitalized on her moment, and when she did it, she kind of snatched her neck. It was really, really impressive. And all I thought was she's going to pin her against the cage, close the quarters a little bit, and maybe you know, go for some sort of a throw or a takedown or whatever, because there was a little bit of a disparity in height, but little, but I'll be damned, go, she fucking hit. She kept adjusting it and making it tighter, and it really almost looked like how a, a boa constrictor, I guess, would, you know, if there was no one around to save you, all of a sudden, it just squeezing and squeezing, and then she just dropped her on her patootie. Dude, it looked like Count Dracula when he would just grab someone and really grab his cape and just kind of put it around them bite them, and then their lifeless body would just drop. I couldn't believe that, man. It's so gangster. Jessica Andrade um, quietly has become one of my favorite fighters. She just has a really cool personality. She's down to earth, and she always brings it. And this is just another wrinkle. Like, uh, great, great, great performance. And I didn't even know it, realize it until you brought it up. But, yeah, the females at the top of all the cards this weekend, it's been pretty cool. And she definitely held up her end of the bargain. Mm-hmm. And now she's saying, Strawweight's where I'm going to be for a while. I want to fight for the title. And because she's a former champ, she may have a say in that. Let's not forget, she's 1-1 one one against Rose Namajunas. Rose is 1-1 one one against Carla. No, sorry, 0-1 oh against Carla Esparza. So them two are running the back after like eight years in a few weeks here at Belt for 274. If Rose were to win, she'd be one and one versus Carla. I don't know that anyone's crying for a trilogy there, unless it's a classic. Then right. maybe they'll okay, they're one and one. We got to run it back, but I don't anticipate that'll be the case. In which case, Andrade is going to bring a formidable case for a possible rematch. The only problem is Joanna Jan Jacek and Zhang Wei Li. They also have put pen to paper. They're fighting in Singapore. I thought it was already official, but I guess they officially made it even more official on Saturday. They made this big announcement. Possibly one of those two could fight for the title. And I think the biggest opening is 
the Sparza war to win and they're not interested in the trilogy, well, actually, she'd be 2-0 and against Rose. So if they're not interested in giving Rose an immediate shot, then guess who's 1-0 against the Sparza? Joanna Janjicek. Jean Wei is just super popular because she comes from a country that's got over 1 billion people on it, and I think China's just a big market. So I know the UFC, any chance they get, they'll put Zhang Weili in there, but it's pretty interesting that everyone's kind of beating everybody a little bit. So just throw Jessica's name in there, and we'll see how things play out with Carla versus Rose, Zhang Weili versus Joanna Janjacek, and maybe Andrade can walk into a title shot. I don't know. Cannot leave Marina Rodriguez out. She defa- uh, She's won a couple fights as well, including Mackenzie Dern. She's ahead of Dern, who recently won a few weeks ago as well. Um, the strawweight division is popping. Yeah, that's the it division, I think, for me. It's so much fun. And there's so, I think on spinning back click, like a couple of weeks ago, we broke it down. There's just so many directions you can go into. But that is kind of interesting when you think about it because Carla would be 2 and 0 against Rose. Mm-hmm. However, I think we would all, that first fight was just so long ago that if this was somewhat of a decent fight, you could have that argument of, hey, give me a third time. I mean, it's just so far in between that the first time they fought. It's a possibility, but I don't think they would. And can you imagine Joanna and Drachek fighting for another title? Like that would be nuts, but it would make sense. It would. Now, what 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 every girl needs to do, every every lady, every female, whatever needs to do, is smash your opponent. You if you're smashing. I'm telling you, you, your statement, your win is more of a statement when we like to call it. Andrade smashed Lemos. Great for Andrade. Former champ, doesn't speak a lick of English, and it bugs me to death that she can't. She moved here about a year ago, by the way. By the way, she's still fought in three different weight classes, been a world champion. She's going to have a say in this. Now, Zhang Weili and Joanna and Jacek, somebody needs to jack somebody up. If Joanna loses to Zhang Weili, she would now be 0-2 against Zhang Weili, and then she'd really be on the back burner. But if she can beat Zhang Weili and Rose loses to, to Carla, it's Christmas for Joanna Janjacek, who's super popular, nasty as can be, jacked up Carla Spars in the first fight. She has a path to it. She has a path to the title there, but smashing will be the best thing that can happen uh, to any of these ladies. If they, unless they want to go through this whole recycle of rematches. But moving on, let's give some credit to Car- Claudio Puelas, fellow Peruvian. He defeated Clay Guida. Clay Guida was in the final fight of his contract. He's had many contracts at this point. Guy's been in the UFC since 2006, I think. So, really, a decade and a half. And I think he really wanted to impress because he wanted to get another set of fights. The guy always fights. He's willing to fight anyone. He'll fight another decorated veteran. He'll fight a young guy, you know, if the young guy can get over on him, okay. Um, and, you know, he's, he's he's a tough wrestler, you know. So even if he strangles somebody or suffocates someone, I should say, he usually makes that fighter a better fighter because they go back to the drawing, work, drawing board and work on their wrestling and their cardio. But none of that came into play, man, because when they uh, got tangled up on the ground, uh, Guido went for this role, man where it looked like maybe he figured it was an escape from the situation he was in. And I've never seen someone lock up a knee bar as slick as Puelas did. And that's even going back to the Husamar Paul Harris days or the times I've seen Joel Lazan do it. You know, um, wow, Puelas has a has a weapon, dude. He's got three knee bars just in the UFC alone. And then over at that Ica Fighting Championship that he came from, he's got one there. He's a killer uh, with the knee bars. I just don't understand it because Clay is so savvy. He's been around for so long. You know that this guy has this in his repertoire. And you could just kind of see it coming. You just kind of see it coming. It was really odd. But Puel is a, is a beast, dude. And he doesn't come off like a – no disrespect, but like Ryan Hall, you feel like, all right, if he can't get a hold of your leg, there just aren't that many options left striking-wise. Puel doesn't come off that way. And I think that kid, uh, you know, he speaks pretty damn good English. And I really like that he asked to be on the Spanish broadcast team. I mean, like, he had the perfect performance, dude. Inside the cage, outside with a speech. I thought it was an amazing night for him. 
Yeah, he took advantage of his mic time, that's for sure. Um, these are some of the guys that are, that are Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu standouts that Clay Guida has beaten. Marcus Aurelio, Mag Danzig, Nate Diaz, Rafael Dos Anjos, well, granted, he broke his jaw. But still, was facing someone that had a formidable Jiu-Jitsu game. Anthony Pettis, Atsu Hayoki, um, Joe Lazan, BJ Penn, uh, Leandro Santos, like, He's been in there against some tough grapplers. And I got to imagine at Team Alpha Male, they dot every I and cross every T and squiggly every Q. You know, they are all about details. There's no way this guy didn't also work on leg lock defense. But it, it didn't look like it, that's for sure. That almost looked like how, how he would trap me. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, yeah. I thought it, for him it should have just been a different type of exit, but it's almost like he rolled into it. It almost looked like two pro wrestlers who chat, hey, Now's the time you get me with a knee bar. I know. Let me make. I don't know. That's what it looked like to me. But you know, I'm not. I'm not Brazilian Jiu Jitsu black. So I might be. I might be missing all this. But to me, it didn't look like um, that. That would be the way to avoid a knee bar. Anyway, um, now will Clay Guida get another contract? They probably have a soft spot for Clay Guida. But as you can see, the UFC is pretty ruthless. And sometimes when it's just time to part ways, it's time to part ways. I did it with Alexis Davis recently. Um, I thought she served her purpose, you know, with the women's battle mates, but you know, you know, it happens. Man. I think certain Steve. cats like Jim Jim Miller, Joe Lazon, I think Dana just has a soft spot for him. So I think Clay will be around as long as he, he would like to be. Yeah. Um Macy Barber defeated Montana De La Rosa. De La Rosa just couldn't contend with Barber's activity, her power, her elbows. Montana De La Rosa did have one nice back take. That was probably her chance. But the other times that she got Barber on the ground, Barber kept getting up, and she wasn't going to be Barber on the feet. Barber has now quietly, I think, won three in a row. So she was being held as the future a, a while ago, um, and she took a she had a serious knee injury, took a couple L's, but now she's back at it, man. She's beating Maverick and De La Rosa after losing to Grasso, excuse me, and Motiferi. So congrats to uh, Macy Barber. I still want to see more from her before I can anoint her and say, oh, yeah, Valentina, man, someone's coming for you. Like, I, I'm not nowhere near that yet. Valentina is so good that it would take one hell of a fighter for you to even bring that up. But uh, you know, as long as as long as you see improvement, I think you're going in the right direction. And I think we can be fair about Macy Barber showing improvement. It's just it's it's not enough, unfortunately. You know, she's in a division where the champion's a monster, an absolute monster. So uh, good on her, good victory. Hopefully, with the next fight, she improves even more. But it's going to be a lot before you can convince us that you got something for the champ there. And, you know, sometimes the whole card can go without a submission. They're more rare than TKL stoppages when it comes to finishes. But on the main card, we had four altogether. Two more to discuss here. Charles Jordan, he submitted uh, Lando Venata. And Mark andre Barrio, he submitted Jordan Wright. So, one, the first one was a submission with a mounted guillotine choke. That was Barrio. And then Charles jo- Jordan got it from the front. Really slick stuff. You could just see the disappointment in both Wright and Vanata. Um, in fact, I think Wright, if I'm not mistaken, actually initiated it. And I'm thinking, ooh, that's the one place you wanted to avoid. Like you wanted, you should have wanted to just stand, you know. But for whatever reason, I, that was a terrible game plan. Yeah. Did you bet that fight? By the way, no. The sorry, the Vanata fight. I did, and I got it right. I went against them this time. Oh, you did? All right, yeah. Yeah. That, he's one of the guys that stung me when I bet on him. I lose. When I bet against him, I lose. Um, and finally, I got this one right. So a lot of subs on Saturday night's main card. Uh, Sergey Kandasco uh, defeated Dwight Grant. Tyson Page back after a long time. He defeated Ike Villanueva. And uh, what's this guy? Uh, Ariokwang, Ari something like that. He defeated Cameron Else. Um, he's slick, by the way. He won by 
KO slash TKOs, I like the, what they like to call it, but basically it was some really, really nice ground and pound. The Mongolian murderer goes. Um, I'm waiting for Mongolia to produce some athletes because they produce some great, great wrestlers. And mm-hmm. now we're seeing somebody performing mixed martial arts and beef. Huh? And beef. <laughs> and beef, I don't get it. Mongolian beef. Oh, Mongolian beef. Got it, got it, got it. My bad. Okay. I thought I thought you I thought you meant that these guys had beef. All right, I blew it. Oh, uh, Preston Parsons defeated uh Evan Elder. Philippe Linz defeated Marcin Prakio. And Mike Jackson defeated Dean Barry. It was a disqualification. It was a kick to the nuts and I gouge. Many Jackson's taking some heat online saying he could have continued, especially from his opponent, Barry. I don't know where I sit with this, to be honest. Um just you know, don't be dirty, just, and we don't have to. If you just look at the picture it. of the eye gouge, to me that looks like, well, uh, that should not have happened. But um, then when the fighter acts too much, then they say they're acting. I, I don't know. Like, I think the, I think what a fighter wants to do goes when when they get fouled, no matter what, is they want to fight. You know, I don't think any fighter gets fouled and then goes, "Yes, this is my chance out." I think the first thing they're trying to do is see if they can see. See if the if they can shake out their you know the nuts or, or whatever it is, however it is that they've been fouled. They want to see if they're good to go yet before the thought even comes. That would only come at the moment where you're starting to come down a little bit, and then you're starting to think more clearly. I think the rest of the time, it's like you see in the movies when there's an auto crash and then there's just this like beep, and everyone's talking to you. Are you okay? Like I just think you're in this big bog. You know what I mean? And you're not making those types of sound decisions. I think every fighter wants to continue. That's why, you know, I I, I decide with them in terms of like when they're trying to like either clear the the cobwebs and see if they can see. But you know, when they can't, now all of a sudden you want to see a great Oscar uh, performance from you know somebody acting. I, I don't know what. Like I said, goes don't foul and we're not even there. Yeah, don't don't do the foul. We're not even there. I mean, this guy. Are you are you trying to say he got into this profession knowing that he didn't want to do it? He did. I mean, he wants to be there. He wants to get in the cage. He signed on the dotted line. He's not going to run away now. Um, I, to me, I think that's a little absurd. Yeah, Mike Jackson. I thought he was done with the sport. He hadn't fought in a few years as well. Been a while, yeah. It was like four but years. Now this guy's uh you know, he's part of the MMA world, MMA world. He's more known as a photographer. But respect to him, man. He's pulled it off getting in there and dancing with CM Punk and now with this, you know, with this Barry guy, obviously, you know, in the records book record books it goes down to the win, but um I don't know. I'm I'm I would say I'm jealous. I'm I'm just happy for him. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. He deserves it. Yeah. All right. So that was the fight card that took place this past weekend. Shout out to the monkey god, Jared Brooks. He did win over one championship. One championship had a card as well. So we had PFL, one championship, some Bellator, UFC. Uh, yeah, look, Fury and Ghana. we just talked about it. They got, you know, Fury beat White. He knocked them out in the sixth round out at uh, Wembley Stadium. 90-some thousand people there. Francis Ngannou and him had a shared a moment post fight. They talked about a fight down the road. Fury asked him if he had a big Corey. <laughs> that was pretty funny too. Um, Kata Ngannou a little bit off guard there, but you know between that and Hardy wants to dance with Diego Sanchez. Yeah, there's some other news that's out there. I, I, are you open to that fight? Did you hear about that, Diego Sanchez? And, and uh... it's it's boxing, right? I don't even know. I think so. I think it's boxing. I mean, I'm okay with it because I want to see Hardy. Uh, I don't. I feel like we didn't get a chance to say goodbye to his uh, his career. It just kind of got taken away. So I don't mind it. It really does nothing for me other than I get to see the outlaw fight again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and look, if it's a ton of money for both guys, cool. I want Diego. I feel sorry for Diego. I, I wouldn't want Diego after all these years the fight game to retire poor. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know if he's been taken advantage of or if he's been wise or what, 
Um, one of the marriages didn't go well. I'm not sure if he had a couple. What I'm saying is one marriage didn't go well. So, you know, I, I just wonder how some of these guys are going to get by in that regard. So when they have an opportunity to make money, if they're healthy, that's when you use your name, even though the skills aren't what they used to be, your name has value. You punch the clock and you got yourself to the point and your name can sell tickets. And that's when it becomes a business transaction where the promoter uses you and your name. And then you use the promoter to get on into his squared circle or his cage or his, you know, whatever to, uh, you know, perform. So how about Poirier and Gilbert Burns? Poirier says, I want to fight. Gilbert Burns goes 170. I'm not warm to that one. How about you? No, I'm not. The same reason why when we were talking about Alexander Volkanovsky going up up in weight, I mean, this is even even bigger jump for Poirier from 155 to 170. It doesn't, that doesn't interest me at all in, in the least bit. I don't like it. I'd like to see Poirier fight Nate, of course, because I think he's done with Connor. He beat him 2-1. Simple as that. But Poirier has a card to play. If Gagey becomes champ, Poirier beat Gagey. Now, Charles Oliveira is starting to build up this resume where he can start playing the immediate rematch card. Who knows? Lots of ways a fight can end where a re- immediate rematch isn't necessary. And if Poirier can somehow get back in the win column, which technically is coming off of a loss, but get back in the win column, you just never know. Now, I don't think Poirier has many fights left, but my thoughts are just be just hang around in case and uh, be, you know, in that situation where Gagey wins. You never know. Gagey may want may want to run that one back with you. Yeah, I agree. That, w- that would be interesting. That's his one in, I think. Yeah. All right, folks. We're going to get on out of here. A lot of these topics will get discussed on Spinning Back Click. We'll, we'll go in-depth there with the panel that we have this week. Spoiler alert. It'll be Ghost, Mike Bond, and Danny Segura will be taping it tomorrow. And uh, so check that out over at youtube.com forward slash, forward slash MMA Junkie Radio. Sorry, MMA Junkie Video. And check out MMA Junkie Radio twice a week, Monday and Thursday, here at MMA Junkie or at your favorite uh, spot where you listen to your podcasts, like Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. Mondays and Thursdays is when we drop. And thank you for your support over these past 15 years, whether you listen to all of them, some of them, one, I don't know, whatever, and 3,254 shows. We really, really appreciate you. All right, folks, take care, and we'll talk to you soon. Go out there and be a champion.